You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. listening to Campus Beat here on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, coming at you from the basement of Carruthers Hall here at Queen's University in lovely Kingston, Ontario. And I have the great privilege of welcoming James Uhaz. Hey, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. He is a 19-year-old competitive sailor and student here at Queen's University. James, can you tell us about yourself and what you're studying at Queen's? Yeah, so I'm I'm currently in my second year in the arts program. I'm studying uh, I'm studying a lot of things. I think I'm uh, I'm not too indifferent to many students where I've, I've bounced around quite a bit. I started kind of thinking that I wanted to do some politics, and then I started thinking that I wanted to do some philosophy. But my most recent venture is. Uh, is a geography major, which I'm in my second year of, and uh, I'm kind of focusing on, or planning to focus on studying weather patterns and things that kind of apply to apply to what I'm doing in sailing. Indeed, because <laughs> it's good to know what those weather patterns are. Absolutely, yeah. Crucial. So, I, again, so I've heard that you've been making waves provincially and nationally as a competitive sailor. Can you tell us how you got your start in sailing? Mm-hmm. So I was I was very lucky at a young age to have parents who uh, who kind of brought me up in the sailing world. We uh, They weren't competitive by any means, but they uh, they had grown up. Or they they hadn't. My mom had grown up sailing, and uh, and my dad kind of got into it. And so when I was about uh, five years old, they purchased a small a small boat in uh, in our hometown that that we kind of cruised around on. And so from a very young age, I uh, I was on the water every weekend. It was our it was our floating cottage they used to call it. <laughs> so uh, so that that kind of sparked my interest. And then you know I helped my dad working on the boat on the weekends. And as I got older. I was kind of introduced to, uh, to to the culture that surrounds the sailing world, and so that that includes the clubs and the marinas, and in particular where I'm from, I'm from Bronte, Ontario, and uh, and there's a sailing school at, at the yacht club that that I joined uh, as a summer camp at about seven years old, mm-hmm. and I remember there was a very there was a very uh, there was a turning point where I went I went for a month, and at the end of the month. Most of the kids kind of finished at the end of the month, and uh, and I got my dad called called uh, no my dad had picked me up from camp because I didn't have a phone then I was seven <laughs> years old and uh, and he said hey so you're liking sailing camp and I was like yeah I really like it and uh, obviously I don't think he really knew what what he was gonna do with me for the rest of the summer he didn't really have anything planned so he was like hey do, what what about you want to do it for the no- another month and I was like yeah that'd be great and so I ended up spending the entire summer. Uh, just mucking around in little boats at a very young age. And, uh, and then the next summer came around and I was like, what else is there, is there to do really? So I just did the same thing next semester and or the next summer. And, uh, and it was great. I like from, from a very young age, I, I loved everything about it. And, uh, and so I kind of, I progressed through the ranks of the sailing school. It was seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And then towards, uh, uh, once I started to get towards the end, there's there's a section of the sailing school that's called the racing team, where you've you've started to learn or you've learned all these basic fundamental things about sailing and about uh, like where to go when the wind is coming from a certain direction and how to get around some marks. 
but uh, but then there's this whole new there's whole this whole new aspect that we're introduced to at uh, at about eleven years old, eleven or twelve years old, and that's racing. So now, how do we get around those marks that we were going around for fun as fast as we can and faster than the people around us? Ah. And that sparked a little competitive nature in me. I was uh, I was like, okay, I can do this. I can I can go faster than uh, than the guys that I've been that I've been hanging out with for the past couple summers. And, uh, and I was lucky enough to have, to have great coaches, great friends on that team. And, uh, and so I spent a couple of years on that team, I think probably two or three years on that team. And then as, as you continue to get better as the summers went by, and so you draw, you draw uh, interest from, from more competitive teams around the lake. The Lake Ontario uh, has, has many yacht clubs all around the lake. Mm-hmm. And there's probably, each, each yacht club will have a couple of regattas, or a regatta throughout the summer, and then you'll have like a little circuit around the lake that you do at that, that very young, at that like uh, beginner level. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so as you start to go to these regattas and you start to get better placings and so on, you start to get some recognitions from some provincial coaches and from some, from some higher up coaches. And eventually I was invited when I was 13 years old to uh, to the Combine, which is it's uh, it's actually run in Kingston, Ontario. Many people probably don't know this, but uh, Kingston is an amazing sailing place. Mm-hmm. Always has been, always will be. Hosted the sailing of the 1976 Olympics. Yes. So, uh, and so uh, when I was 13 years old or 14 years old, somewhere around there, I was invited to uh, to the Ontario Sailing Combine, which is where we kind of the the Ontario coaches have an opportunity to go. Here are all these kids who are who are at this age and like what they're doing, which ones can we kind of pick and which ones can we uh, mold into competitive sailors that will continue to go up through the ranks. And so I was lucky enough to get picked for a development team in my first year. And then in my second year, I was put onto the the full-time team. And so once you make, once you make that jump, it becomes a much, much bigger commitment. And, uh, and it turns in from, or it turns from a two month program where you're just, you're at a club level. Your coach is, you know, th- four or five years older than you. He went through the same thing that you did a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. To uh, now, all of a sudden, your coach is thirty, thirty-five years old, and you're training basically twelve months out of the year. So it was a it was a big step, but uh, but to me, at the at that young age, it was oh, I don't have to go to school anymore. I can uh, during the during the winter, I can I can go to Florida and do what I've been doing in the summer all. <laughs> The entire time? Oh, so, that sounds... Not, not the entire time. <laughs> oh, sorry, what was that? So, that sounds terrible. It must have been an awful experience. <laughs> yeah. Not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was... I was blessed, you could say. Um, but how does that work then? If you were away during the winter uh, in Florida, for example, how were you able to keep up with your studies as a high school student, for example? You're here at Queen's University. Right. So how did you manage to... <laughs> yeah, get to the university if if you were away sailing so often. It's uh, I, I was lucky enough to have very very accommodating teachers, and uh, honestly, it would have been much harder before the age of the internet. I okay. think because there was tons of correspondence with my teachers the entire time. But I, I'm not going to lie, my my grades definitely took a hit because right. of sailing. There's there's no there's no stopping that, and especially as as my high school career progressed. So mm-hmm. I, I probably started, I think I was in grade 10 when I started this full-time kind of thing. Yeah. And that was, uh, uh, my, my grades definitely took a dip, but they were, they were, they were high enough and I was able to, to have enough pressure. 
Okay. Uh, I, at least I put on myself to to get into a good university. Well, yeah. So clearly you're here. So yeah. Clearly you made the grades. Yeah. I, I, I remember very specifically, actually, in uh, in the second semester of grade ten, my math mark wasn't where it should be, <laughs> <laughs> and my dad said, "Nope, you're not. You're not gonna." There, there was a very big regatta that everybody was going to in uh, in Clearwater, Florida, mm-hmm. and and it was about three weeks before the regatta, and my dad got my report card, and he was like, "Nope, I'm not booking your flight." <gasps> you're not going. Oh. And so that was that was actually a, a big wake up call for me and uh and the next year I worked harder in math. Indeed. Yeah. So did you have uh tutors or, or assistants to, for folks to help you out while you were away in Florida to be able to give you that assistance with your schoolwork? Not not while I was away, but when I did come back I had I had a math tutor. I wasn't I wasn't great at math, but <laughs> okay. uh, I was uh my strong suit was always English and in writing. So mm-hmm. r- writing transfers to to most subjects. So most subjects like geography and history and English and whatever cor- other courses I was in, I could normally write a pretty good essay and get a get an eighty or a ninety in it. Whether okay. whether I read through the textbook or whether I. Uh, only got part of the lesson or whatever. Okay, fantastic. Well, yeah. cl- glad you made it out of high school uh, <laughs> yeah. and you're here at Queen's University. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about what kinds of things you actually need to learn to do in order to sail and what kind of boats do you sail? Okay, yeah, that's a that's a great question. So there's, I think, I, I every single day I go in the water I learn something new and obviously I'm still I'm still getting better I don't I'm not at the or I'm not a gold medalist and even if I were a gold medalist uh, I would still need to be getting better all the time because everybody around you is constantly getting better yeah so if you don't get better at the same rate as them then you're uh, relatively getting worse so what do you need to get better at right so it. it it starts out at that very uh, at that very basic level of when I was when I was eleven years old. I learned that you can't sail directly into the wind. Mm-hmm. You have to zigzag back and forth to get upwind, and then there's different techniques for coming downwind. And you build your confidence up. So if the boat tips over, it's okay. You, you have a life jacket on. You can swim back over to the boat. It starts at that very basic level, uh-huh. and then uh, and then you know t- we talked earlier about tying knots. And, yes. uh, and <laughs> while we were trying to get the knot out of a he- set of headphones, <laughs> yeah. I asked, what kind of knot is this? What kind of knot was it? It was some form of a double figure eight. <laughs> so, yeah, somehow the headphones got <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, the headphones that are in my coat pocket are covered in knots, too. Yeah. I might need you to rearrange that for me before you leave today. <laughs> Must be more, more of a, a problem. <laughs> Tie that to, to a sheep shank, would yeah, you? Yeah. But yes, okay, you're but learning the, plenty of different knots, yeah, too, so which have particular functions uh, yeah so they all have different functions so some lo- some knots make loops some knots are made so uh, we call it a block but basically a pulley some knots are made so that a rope doesn't come out of a pulley mm-hmm. it's called a stopper knot and then there's knots that tie ropes together and then there's splicing which is a whole other type of knot which is like a permanent knot kind of uh-huh. but uh, it, there's like there's so much and that just one that's just one tiny aspect of of everything that you need to know and then when once you start racing there's uh we talked earlier about how I, I want to study geography mm-hmm. because 
uh, you need to know everything about weather. You need to not only know the local weather and how the land around you is manipulating the weather, but weather on a broader scale. So is halfway through my second race of the day, is there going to be a big system coming through uh-huh. that's going to make the wind shift in a certain direction or pick up or die? Right. And then uh, you need to know what boats around you are doing, so how they affect the wind. Mm-hmm. So the, there's that aspect aspect of the racing knowledge, and then there's also the aspect of the racing knowledge, which is uh, if it, it's almost like a chess game. So like if if a boat beside you makes a certain move, how are you going to use the racing rules of sailing? Which is it's a it's a little book. It has all, <laughs> has all the rules in it. It's terribly boring. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's not for you. <laughs> <laughs> no. When, how are you going to use those rules? Not unlike a lawyer to your advantage. So, okay. Uh, it, it's I don't know if I said that, but it's like a it's like a chess game. Yeah. You uh, you position yourself in a way that'll be advantageous to you, and then somebody somebody else repositions their or themselves so that. They can battle you, and you battle back and forth mm-hmm. uh, without the cannon. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> You're jockeying for position almost. Indeed. So it's a matter of who's getting around this or that particular um, checkpoint yes. or flag. Or what are they called? They're called marks. Marks. Yeah. So getting around this mark and that mark at a particular time, and then eventually to a finish line. Exactly. So it's a, it's um, you do laps of a course. So generally you'll do two laps of a course mm-hmm. and then and then cross the finish line. And what kind of boat? Uh, I sail a laser. So oh, it's, so what's a laser? It's a laser is a single single person boat. So I'm the only person in the boat. One sail. Uh, it's 14 feet long. So it's very small. Our trailer that we take down to Florida fits uh, fits six of them plus plus a, uh, a motorboat. Okay. And uh, like a support boat. And then uh, uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> the la- so you sail the laser oh, yeah. and it- so, so the laser is a uh, is an Olympic class boat. Oh, okay. So that is that's there's very few boats that are that are sailed in the Olympics, and the laser is one of them. So the, the laser is the single handed uh, single handed boat. So meaning there's only one person in the boat. Okay. So the, there's different. In, in sailing in the Olympics, there's double-handed boats, there's single-handed boats, and then there's different types of double-handed boats as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's, it's almost like classes of uh, – well, that's what they're called. They're called classes, but it's like um, – it's almost like weight. If you were if you were wrestling, uh-huh. you like weight weight ranges. So like lightweight, have middleweight, yeah. heavyweight. Exactly, exactly. All right. Uh, so what is it that attracts you to this particular uh, boat? Uh, why not be sailing one of those giant yachts in the America Cup kind of thing? Well, that's a different kind of sailing that, altogether. That is, a, that is a very different type of sailing. What do you love about do, sailing your laser? What do I love about sailing my laser? Hmm, that's a good question. It's there's a there's a lot of uh, of, of cultural aspect to it. So like. Everybody who sails a laser thinks that they're better than people who sail a 470 or people who sail a 49er. Uh, okay. We all we all kind of band together. But, but at a young age, I kind of wanted to sail uh, a double-handed boat. And my dad said, I remember my dad said to me, "You don't want to. You don't want to sail a double-handed boat. You don't want to have to have to depend on somebody else." Ah. And he he said to me, he said, "What happens if you're uh, if you're more committed than your than your partner? Or what happens if you're equally as committed?" 
and your partner breaks his leg or something in the middle of the summer, then you're not going to be able to do anything. Ah, uh, gotcha. And so I think I think there was also a, a financial aspect from his point of view. He was kind of like, this boat's, this boat's the cheapest one. I think he should sail this one. But so it's actually affordable too. So yeah. yes, indeed. Uh, but yes, there's there seems to be an element of I'm doing all of this and I'm uh, reading the weather. I'm studying the waves and where and where things are going. I, it's all on me. So it's a Absolutely. lot of personal drive there. It's, it's all personal drive and uh and we, you were you were talking earlier about uh about one of the things i had to learn and as a as a young kid who all of a sudden i was i was 14 years old and i had this boat that i had to care for and i had to i had to be able to fix when i broke it and i had to be able to keep everything together and and go from uh from oakville to burlington to kingston to hamilton to florida to back and all over again and I had to be able to keep track of all this stuff. And I had a problem when I was younger of, of losing stuff because there's so many little parts. There's yeah. probably there's probably a hundred little parts that you need to all have for yeah. this boat to actually be able to work properly on the water. And if you miss a single one of them, then either one, it's going to be expensive or two, you're not going to race and you don't want either of those. So yes. kinda, one of the things that I had to learn personally was uh, I had to develop, uh, I had to develop ways of keeping everything in one place. So, uh, so when I come off the water, I take my watch and the first thing I do is strap it to my life jacket and I take my life jacket and the first thing I do with that is put it into my boat and I put everything away in the exact same, the, I put everything away in the exact same way every single day because if I don't, my chances of losing something are, are so high. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of routine in there. So much routine. Everything. So speaking of routine, then what's your training regime looking like these days? My training regime right now is <laughs> compiled of studying and working out. <laughs> We're in the middle of exam season right now, but... Uh, it, and you look aware. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I can't believe it. <laughs> there are very fewer and fewer students on campus as as people are finishing their exams, but you still look bright and chipper. Coffee and you're and Red tanned. Bull. Yeah, I think I'm in Florida. <laughs> you were just in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Co- coffee and Red Bull. That's my secret. Oh dear. <laughs> no. Not, so what? So what are the kinds of things that you do ultimately to train? Uh, like what? What does your day look like? Uh, in terms of your sport, so when when we we call the training block, we'll we'll go to a specific venue, and what we'll, we're going to be wanting to focus on a specific skill. So, for example, uh, sticking the bow to the backsides of waves. That's a it's a very technical skill, like in specific chop. And we're going to be focusing on this for the whole week. And my coach will develop uh, a plan for the whole week. So he'll say. Uh, we're going to be meet. This is what the weather forecast looks like. These are the times that we need to be on the water for the best wind every, each and every day. Mm-hmm. And so it, everything focuses around when we're sailing. That's always the first thing. And then, so say we're sailing in the afternoon. Say we're we're going to be launching at two o'clock. That means I need to be at the boat park for one o'clock to get everything together and to get changed and to get my boat actually leaving the dock at, mm-hmm. at two o'clock. And, uh, and so that means that I need to be waking up at eight o'clock because we're leaving the door at nine o'clock and we're going to the gym at 10 o'clock to, uh, to 12 o'clock. And then we're coming home, we're eating, we're going sailing, come off the water. Uh, either if it's during the school year, we'll be, we'll almost certainly be doing homework. Uh, I live together with my team, so mm-hmm. we'll, and most of them go to Queens as well. So oh, fantastic! To, yeah, <laughs> so we're able to uh, we're able to kind of hunker down and we're like, okay, now we need to do schoolwork, and then uh, and then before we go to bed, stretching, uh, stretching, rolling out, um, 
anything anything to recover make making sure you're eating well is a huge thing throughout the yeah. day yeah anything to recover so that the next day say if you had a late training session the first day and then the second day because of the wind you're gonna have an early session on the water mm-hmm. so the next day you need to be ready to go at eight o'clock to go sailing right away because if you're not 100 percent, then you're not gonna be making the making or taking as much as you can out of the training and okay then, and then the whole thing repeats day by day by day day so by day by some day day. we'll go to the, some days we'll go to the gym some days we'll go on we'll go on bike rides cardio and uh and other days we have off days sprinkled in there as well so that we don't so that we don't get too tired all right so a lot of the training too that you're doing is not necessarily even on the water no on the water is probably uh especially during the winter yeah it's hard you can't sail here and you can only be in florida so much you know money limits you time limits you school limits you Mm -hmm. uh when when we're here everything is everything is in the gym i'd say i'd say on the water is less than 50 percent of what i need to be doing to be at my peak Okay. And and then actually not to, not to interrupt you there but there is there is another element which is the the mental side of it. Oh, okay. So Let's hear more about that. So there's a I work with the Canadian Sports Center Ontario mm-hmm. who provides me with a sports psychologist who helps me uh, I meet with him whether it's over Skype or in his office in in Toronto uh once a month and we talk about what I've been working on, we talk about uh, any problems I may have, we we could talk about anything I want. We could talk about whether I'm I'm stressed out with school, whether I'm stressed out with not performing well, whether I'm stressed out with oh I'm performing well and now I don't know how to how to keep this. Like how do I maintain this level? Anything mm-hmm. I want, and he's there. Uh, he's there to help me. Okay, well that's great that you have that extra support there too. Absolutely, it's absolutely it's critical. You have so much to balance in your life these yeah. days. There's a uh, uh, an Olympic bronze medalist in the in the same boat that I sailed. Actually, just posted an Instagram post the other day. She said everybody in the top ten has the potential to win, and what differentiates us is our mental skills. Hmm. The, being able to deal with the pressure that you face. Right, and being yeah, being able to communicate. Uh, and being able to reach out uh, to folks in order to be able to manage the many, many pockets of life because you also have a social life, I imagine. (laughs) You like to go out and have fun with friends, I hope, too, outside of sailing (laughs) and outside of training. Absolutely. Okay, good, good. That's important, too. My my coach told me uh, a little while ago, he said, said, you have three things in your life. You have social, sailing, and school, and you can do two of them well. (laughs) Choose wisely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) All right. Um, So, so now, moving forward, um, you've been doing a lot of training, as you just mentioned, and you've got a pretty intense regime mixed in with the uh, work that you continue to do as a, as a Queen's student. Uh, and, but there's also another element that we haven't actually talked about yet, and that's actual competition. Where mm-hmm. have you been competing recently, and uh, what's coming up? So this this past summer, I competed at the Under Twenty One Worlds, which were in Gdynia, Poland, mm-hmm. and uh, that was it was a great experience. I didn't I didn't place as well as I'd like to, but uh, but we're we now we t- I took what I learned and I'm focusing on next year. So that was my basically how it works throughout the year is we pick a peak event and we everything we do throughout the entire year is building up to be at our peak performance for that event. Mm-hmm. So last year it was U21s, and this year it will again be U21 Worlds because this is my last year that I'll be eligible for it. Okay. This year it's in Split Croatia. So now everything that I've learned from from that experience, I'm I'm uh, I'm cr- I'm critiquing my schedule and I'm building I'm sculpting my schedule 
to to be at my peak performance for U21s next year, which is in uh, which is in October. Mm-hmm. And so I recently, uh, on a smaller scale, recently I came off of a training block, which was in St. Petersburg, Florida. Mm-hmm. We uh, what we normally do is we have six or seven days of training with our coach and with our team, and then we'll be will be uh, there'll be a small regatta at the end. Mm-hmm. And the result of the regatta doesn't matter on a big scale. But it does matter on a small scale because you want to see uh, the, the skills that you've been working on. You want to be able to to apply them in a racing situation, which mm-hmm. is different. When there's no when there's uh, when there's no pressure, it's a lot easier to do a skill than when there's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and so recently in Saint Petersburg, uh, we were training, and then we had a regatta. I finished fourth at that regatta, which was uh, which was it was a little bit of a disappointment, but I was able to. I, this is something I've been working on with with uh, Rolf, my mental, uh, my sports psychiatrist. He's, okay. He said, or he, we've been talking about the, uh, those small regattas. The positioning doesn't really matter. It's mostly have you gotten better as a sailor, and and have you been able to apply what you've been working on? Because in, at the end of the day, the um, like like the bronze medalist Anne Marie said, she's, it, it doesn't like anybody has the potential to win. Okay. It's just about it's about applying that, and so. Uh, and so, though though the positioning was a disappointment in Saint Petersburg, I think it was it was all in all good because I was able to apply what what I had been training, what I've been working on, and then moving forward, I have, I have exams are right now, so I'm I'm here, and then I have a small break for Christmas, and then on the first of January, I'm going down to uh, to Miami for a long long training block. I'm there from. The, I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> I'm there from the first of January to the fourth of February. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, th- could you make sure you send us some warmth and sunshine yeah, while you're yeah, there? Yeah, I'll try. So what will you be doing? So I'm. Uh, there's going to be a week of training, and then there's going to be a regatta in Fort Lauderdale, which we're going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually the Pan Am qualifier. I'm not uh, expecting to qualify, but if I do qualify, that would be great. <laughs> no expectations, though. Uh, and then there's going to be another week of training in Miami, and then there's a big regatta, which is the first regatta for 2016 of the uh, World Cup circuit. So oh, it's called, wow. It's called the Miami World Cup 2018, or 2019, I guess. And, <laughs> uh, and everybody who's everybody is going to be there. It's probably going to be the biggest regatta I've ever sailed in my life. Oh, so it's really big and exciting opportunity for you. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I was, uh, I was, it's actually, you have, to, you have to get accepted to the regatta. So I was accepted to the regatta a couple... About a month ago, no, maybe two months ago, and I was I was ecstatic. I was All so right, happy. high five! <laughs> yeah, so, okay. It's, well, this is pretty huge for you, but there are also other big things on the horizon. I understand too. You're working, or you're in the process now of working towards joining Team Canada to compete in the Paris 2024 Olympics, as I understand. Right. Yes, absolutely. So, what does that process look like? I've, I... The process looks like a lot of dedication and a lot of uh, not only doing what I've been doing for the past eight years, but doing it a lot harder and doing it all the time. But basically, the selection process is based off of results. Okay. So, uh, if I if I finish, I think it's if I finish top eight at U twenty ones, I get automatically accepted onto the team. If I finish, there's there's certain regattas where if you finish a certain amount, you get automatically accepted. But then. Uh, there's other spaces to fill as well, and yeah. uh, and so basically whoever has the best results gets to gets to be accepted onto that team, and that being on that team is is massive because it means financial support. Uh, it's the biggest thing, but there's also coaching support, and uh, basically this whole support 
uh, system that I have right now that has been at a provincial level will be elevated to a national level. Mm-hmm. And I'll have I'll have access to coaches who who are actually world champions. Yeah. Oh which wow. Is, which is unreal. <laughs> this is really exciting indeed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you are um, competing and continuing to compete to uh, in order to be able to join Team Canada, is this done on a per win basis or is this a matter of scoring? Yeah, so it's a matter of scoring. Sailing kind of works like golf, as in it's a it's a low-scoring system. So if you finish first in a race, you get one point. If you finish second in the race, you get two points. Okay. Third, three points, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and then at the end of the regatta, which is a series of races, whoever has the whoever has the lowest score is the winner. Whoever has the second lowest score is second, and, and so on. Okay. So... Uh, so then uh, you kind of, the select, the selectors on Team Canada, they'll, uh, or on, on Sail Canada, will will go and look and go at this regatta. This is a very competitive regatta. James finished here. All the other people finished here and here and here and here. Uh, and then they'll compare that to other regattas. And they'll basically say, they'll put together a profile of how has this person performed across the year. Okay. And then they'll uh, they'll cross-reference that with other things that we need to support. So how good is this person's training program? How good or how dedicated do we think this person is? Um, how... Yeah, like how how well thought out, how much potential does this person have is basically what they're trying to to evaluate. Mm-hmm. They're trying to see this is where you are right now. This is where we could make you in three years. Uh, do you have the potential to to win a medal at the Olympics? Because if you don't have the potential, then they're not going to bother with you. Yes, because at the end of at the end of the day, uh, all Sail Canada and all uh, the Canadian Olympic Committee is in the business of is producing medals. That's it's uh it's the it's the cold hard truth, but yeah. the businesses businesses turn profits, and uh, the Canadian Olympic Committee produces medals. Yes, indeed, and it's a job. All right. Uh, so, on a last note, then, have you any advice for listeners who might want to learn how to sail, and how and where can they learn? Absolutely. So, as a oh, I haven't talked about this much, but I am a member of the Queen Sailing Team as well. Oh, uh, fantastic! Yeah, it's uh, uh I, I I help them out with with some regattas here and there when I, when I have time, but, uh, but they have an amazing program called rec sale and it runs from the beginning of the school year till basically when, when, uh, when it's too cold to sail mm-hmm. uh, every year. And so at the sidewalk sale at the beginning of the year, if you're ever interested in sailing, you can, uh, you can go up to their tent. They always have a tent set up there and, uh, and they'll be more than happy because they're, uh, all the proceeds from that go to, go to helping the Queen's sailing team. Okay. So it's a, it's a great program. So lots of great opportunities. Absolutely. And, and was Kingston, because it's such a great sailing town, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. is, it, is that one of the reasons why you came to Queen's too? I only applied to Queen's. It's <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the only place I ever wanted to go ever since, ever since I was 13 years old and I came here for the combine and, uh. Uh, and I've spent I've spent summers here training, and I've just always known that this is the this is the place where I belong. Oh, that's wonderful! And we're so lucky to have you here on campus. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, James Uhas, a 19 year old competitive sailor uh, hoping to major in geography here at Queen's University, and uh, hoping to go to the Paris 2024 Olympics and uh, so many other illustrious competitions that are coming up in your near future. What a real pleasure to have you in the studio today. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. Awesome. And best of luck. Uh, We're rooting for you. I appreciate it.